Listener production. Hello, Tom Tilly with you for this special public holiday episode of The Briefing. Today's the day we're paying our respects to the Queen and also her family who've been through a very public grieving process in the last couple of weeks. So no headlines today. I'm just going to jump straight into what is a really fascinating interview on the real and surprising story about crime. Now, if you casually read the newspaper or turn on the TV news, you'd be excused for thinking we still live in a very dangerous world. Youth crime is a major issue for police. The scenes we've just seen really are a daily occurrence. Series of violent home invasions targeting families. A suspected murderer has been taken into custody following an alleged crime spree. So it sounds scary, doesn't it? But the reality, I'm pleased to say, is so much better. In the last 20 years... Crime rates have dropped a lot, not a little, a lot. Murder, down 50%. Car theft, down 70%. Robbery, down 70% as well. It's pretty mind-blowing. The other fascinating thing is that this has been happening right across the Western world. So let's find out what is actually going on. Don Weatherburn was the boss of the New South Wales Crime Statistics Bureau. He worked there for over 30 years. He stepped down three years ago and he's written a book called The Vanishing Criminal. Don, thanks for joining us on The Briefing. Pleasure. So you've been a voice of reason, uh, a voice of the data, in a way a voice of reality on crime for over 30 years. Don Weatherburn from the Crime Stats Bureau says dot, 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 often in contrast with what the media has been reporting, what's frustrated you about the way the media reports crime? Well, it's as much the commentary about crime as it is the actual news reporting. you you know, the news always has this story about if it bleeds, it leads, mm. and you'd expect that. They're not there to actually report some sort of journal. They're there to actually get the public interested in buying their newspapers. But what's been really, really frustrating is the commentary about it, people talking about us being in a crime wave when we weren't, just flat out lying about the crime statistics. So that's pretty frustrating. Right, so you're talking about commentators there, but it's bigger than that, isn't it? It's about the amount of front pages. It's about the way that plays into politics as well. Well, there's no doubt about that. The politicians are absolutely mindful of what's going on in the media and the media, of course, are really conscious of the fact that they can have a big influence on government talking about law and order. So, yeah, there's no doubt that the news coverage on crime has made people more fearful than they need to be. I guess I'm wary of simply criticising the news for telling the news, which is what you'd expect. Well, yeah, you've got your crime reporters who are out at car accidents reporting big crimes, and we need to know what's happening. It is, I guess, about the way those broader trends are reflected. And your work, both over the last 30 years, but now that you've encapsulated it in this book called The Vanishing Criminal, shows that despite the fear and the panic that you often feel from reading the news about the crime situation... Crime's been going backwards, been going down. I know. uh, Which is amazing. So tell us about that longer trend line through the 70s, 80s and 90s on crime, in Australia in particular, and then we'll go overseas. Sure. Okay, so basically from the 80s, the early 80s onwards, crime rates in Australia started rising. And when I say crime rates, I mean particularly burglary, motor vehicle theft, robbery, assault, sexual assault. Uh, All the big categories were going up and just kept on going up year in, year out. I don't think anybody expected any change to that state of affairs, but around Christmas 2000, a big change happened. What happened was that the price of heroin, which is, if you like, the engine behind a lot of this growth in crime, actually skyrocketed and the purity of heroin went 
down through the floor. And instantly you started to see a drop in crime and the number of young heroin users who went into treatment went up and crime started falling and just kept on falling. So between 2001, 2000 and now, for example, the crime rate dropped tremendously. Wow. Which crimes are you talking about? Did they, did they basically all start going down? Uh, pretty much all of them at the same time. So, for example, murder uh, came down by 50%. It used to be two murders per 100,000 of population. It's now down below one per 100,000. So you're, you're loosely talking the last 20 years? Last 20 years. Uh, so, for example, burglaries down by 80%. Wow, 80%. Motive, I know. Motor vehicle theft is down by 80%. Assault is down by 50%. doesn't matter which of the major categories you look at, with single exception of uh, sexual assault and fraud, and methamphetamine, they're the three growth areas, every other major category has come down by 50 to 60%. So what were the interesting things you found when you drilled into those statistics? I know one of the things you looked at was the age people were committing crimes. What did you find there and what did that say to you about this trend downwards? Well, age is important because most crimes committed by people between the ages, men usually between the ages of 15 and 24, and the cohort, the size of the population of 15 to 24-year-olds has been shrinking. So one of the reasons for the drop in crime is that there are fewer young people in the age group who commit crime. Right. So that's caused about a 10% drop in the rate of the major categories of crime. That's been one of the reasons. But there are other really interesting factors that have come in as well. Uh, no one walks around with cash in their pocket these days which has really ruined the takings for robbers. <laughs> you used to be able to knock somebody over in the street and take their wallet and they'd have maybe two or $300 in their wallet on a Friday night. Well, now it's just a piece of plastic. So, you know, so robbers... there's those small security measures, like you talk, you write about car immobilisers as well? Well, car immobilisers was a classic. In fact, Western Australia is an interesting story there. Introduced three strikes and you're out for car thieves. It had zero effect on the motor vehicle theft rate until someone said, why don't we put engine immobilisers in cars? And instantly <laughs> the motor vehicle theft rate dropped and every other state did the same and that's why we've got hardly any motor vehicle theft at the moment. So on the point about age, was it mostly in that age group where most people commit crimes? You said 15 to 25 roughly. Did that reflect the overall trend downwards? What about other age categories that still were committing some crimes? Well, those who... Uh, Baby boomers are still out there committing crime. Um, in fact, most of the crime that's still being committed has been committed by those who are born in the 50s, 60s and 70s. So it's young people who've changed. Uh, young people have dramatically changed. They're drinking less, they're using fewer drugs or the drugs they use like ecstasy are nowhere near as dangerous as the drugs like heroin or methamphetamine. We do have a methamphetamine problem, but compared to the situation back in the 90s, we're much better off. Do you think most people know this? No. In fact, we used to do surveys of the general public and we'd ask them, we'd give them some sample crimes and say, is this kind of crime going up, stable or coming down? And as recently as a few years ago, most people said it was going up, even though it had come down dramatically. And there's a reason for that, of course. The media are still talking about crime. They yeah. haven't stopped. One, one little thing I notice is that there are, in, in Sydney at least, less bars on people's windows. In yeah. all kinds of suburbs, especially the inner city. Absolutely. In fact, I, when I arrived at the house I'm now in, which is the 25 years ago, I took the bars off and I remember my neighbours saying, you'll be sorry. <laughs> and you're like, 
I'm the boss of the Crime Stats Bureau. <laughs> I didn't say that. But I didn't want to live in a house. I thought if there's a fire, I don't want to live in a house where I have to bust open the bars to get out of the house. But in the 80s and 90s, those kind of burglaries were really common. And I was living in Redfern. I moved in there in 2005 and there was a massive change going on there. When I visited friends for university parties earlier it was so often that someone would get held up at their door or on the way home from a party, you walked in big groups. But when I arrived in 2005, things were changing massively. I actually only had one friend get held up um, in 2005 and that was the last person I've ever known who's been held up in that part of Sydney. Yeah, I, absolutely right. I think the most spectacular change has been the drop in armed robbery. Your listeners and viewers may remember that people used to walk into banks with bike helmets on and simply hold the bank up. And that all came to an end only when one poor unfortunate robber got jammed between the, the shutter that bounces straight up to the ceiling and the ceiling and ended up dying caught uh, in that way. So, so another technological solution. An, another, well, yes, you could say that. Although, of course, they then shifted to Seven uh, Eleven stores and service stations and they're still a soft target for a lot of people. Although the robbery rates come down, it's those sorts of businesses that are most at risk. The other really interesting dynamic you write about in The Vanishing Criminal is that this big trend in decreasing crime here in Australia is actually very similar to other Western countries. That's mind-blowing given there are so many differences in our societies. That's right. We're a little bit late to the party. Uh, the UK and the USA had their drops in crime in the 90s. They came down quite substantially. And the same is true of New Zealand. But there are some differences. For example, in the United States the assault rate came down with the burglary rate. In Australia, the assault rate kept on going up till about 2008 and then started coming down. That's when young people stopped drinking as much as they used to drink. So there's a little difference, but it's remarkable how the whole of Western Europe, US, UK, Australia has seen this big drop in crime. So what are the common factors? Well, a whole bunch of things, really. First of all, the stolen goods market has kind of collapsed. All the things that people used to love stealing from your house are now on your mobile phone. So that, in, you know, your music is on your mobile phone, good quality music. Mm. All the games are on your mobile phone. You know, the, Your cash you watch, is on your mobile phone, your basically. Your cash is on the mobile phone. You can watch videos on your mobile phone. So where once you had these large valuable objects sitting in your lounge room that thieves could grab... They're just not there anymore as much as they used to. And you can't on-sell them for cash as easily because people don't deal in cash as much. Well, that's I right. I yeah. mean, the price of these goods has also come down. So who's going to buy one goods, off the yeah. back of a truck when you can get one legit for without forking out a fortune? So that's one reason. The decline in cash is another reason. Uh, the increase in security for cars particularly, banks as well, that's been another factor. Then you've got other drivers like unemployment for a long time during the 2000 to 2017 period, unemployment was falling. Mm. Um, real average weekly wages were rising. Well, they're not now, but they were then. And so the incentive to steal was dropping. And of course, the stolen goods market feeds off those things and it started to collapse. It got harder and harder to sell these goods. You go through all these different factors. Some of them are pretty ridiculous um, that people have sort of put forward as the reasons for this, like taking lead out of petrol or abortion, for example. But I wonder whether, and this is a very loose categorization, have we across the Western world in the last 20 to 30 years become more civilised? And what I mean by that is, are we 
better off materially and culturally so that we spend less of our time worried about the base human needs, food, shelter, water, the sorts of things that drive those primal urges. And we're living in in a society where we, we have those basic needs met and we can basically behave better, serve those higher order needs and act in a more civilized, peaceful, harmonious way. Well, you are an optimist. I can <laughs> I can see that. Uh, look, I, I don't know that primal urges are really what gets people involved in crime. I think for the most part, you're talking about people who are, for example, unemployed, don't have any decent income. We've still got an unemployment rate way down on what it used to be. But if it went back up again, uh, I think you'd see a resurgence of crime, at least for robbery, if not mm. for some of the other categories of but that's crime. That's what I'm talking about. If people are less desperate because we're better off, is that why we're seeing less crime sure, across the, I, the Western world? Well, I think that's been part of it. Um, it's important to remember, though, that during the 90s, the economy was booming, and that was true in the US. And they were Not used- so much here, right? That was our last recession. Oh, well, we did have a, a recession that was a bit of a slowdown, but during the 90s, for the most part, crime was going up. And I mm. think what, what was happening here was that people were spending all this money, as I mentioned, on portable consumer goods, which mm. were highly valuable, you probably young enough, not too old to remember, <laughs> to remember the coloured television sets. Yeah. They were unbelievably expensive and hugely desirable. Yeah. And so people were buying coloured television sets. We had a crime wave on Reeboks. <laughs> people, kids were being stopped on trains and having their shoes taken Nike off. Nike and Maxis were very popular. That's right. Yeah. So And Walkman, Sony Walkman. I hate to show my age, but I mean, yeah. they were a really popular item. So all that money that was sloshing around was being spent on things that thieves really like to get hold of. These days, people are spending, they're not spending on those big gadgets. So Mm. you walk into a home, what is there to steal? The car keys, that's the number one item. Cash, forget it. I guess what I'm getting out of that question, Don, is are we becoming better people or is it just these more, I guess, physical factors that are preventing crime? I don't think human nature has changed in... Two million years, to be honest with you. I think uh, people have become better in the sense that there are fewer people committing crime, but has there been some change in the genetic makeup of human beings? I don't think so. Have we learned so much about crime that we'll never do it again? Uh, I would guess that if the economy went south, we'd be back where we were in the 90s. Really? That would be my, my principal concern. You take, for example, a drug like heroin. Everybody said, hallelujah, the heroin epidemic's gone took only four years for an amphetamine epidemic to take its place. So, and cocaine, now younger and younger kids are using cocaine and quite a few people see it as a harmless drug, which it is when you first start using it. But, of course, like all psychostimulants, it ends up having a bad effect on your irritability, your aggression. Um, So, you know, these drugs keep on appearing. So is crime still dropping or has it sort of hit a low plateau? Depends on the state you're talking about, but in New South Wales, for example, it's still coming down, but slowly. You're not seeing the dramatic reductions, and there has been an uptick in some categories, a bit of an upsurge in robbery. So it's hard to say how long things will remain the way they are. The biggest puzzle is murder. I don't have a satisfactory explanation for the drop in murder, and I don't know anyone else who has one. So that's a puzzle we're all still wondering, you know, how long will this stay down? And what about sexual assault? There's a sense that we're finally focusing on partner violence and, and sexual assault, that it's a, a massive problem that um, close to two women a week, I believe, die at the hands of a partner or an ex-partner. Has that problem gotten worse or are we just more aware of it? 
Really hard to answer that question because we don't have very good measures of either domestic assault or sexual assault. The one thing that makes me wary about the size of the increase is that we've had several inquiries, institutional responses to child sexual assault, which have brought a lot of child sexual assault to public visibility that was happening without much attention before. And also women, I think, are becoming more confident about reporting sexual violence than they had been previously. But for all I know, the incidents might have gone up as well. It's just impossible to say. Uh, as you can imagine, with child sexual assault, you can't conduct surveys. All you can go on are what the police record, and they have recorded an increase. So, Don, what's the key message that you want us to take away from your book and I guess your whole career's work on crime? Well, I guess the first lesson here is relax. It is not as bad as it was in the 90s, way better than it was. Don't lock yourself in your home and fear going out. Um, that kind of predatory crime is much less prevalent, much less risky than it ever was before. I guess the second message is that the things that drive crime are much more ordinary than you think. You leave your car window open, you've got a problem. Opportunistic. Oppo- totally opportunistic. Kids go through this stage from 15 to 24 where they've got, they look like adults but they behave like children and, you know, they will grab opportunities that present. I always remember this situation in my primary school. There was a bubblegum machine across from, from the school and some wit kid discovered that if you put a washer instead of a penny in the bubblegum machine, you could get the bubblegum. Well, blow me down by mid-morning, all these washers had, <laughs> had come and the bubblegum machine was empty. Now, these kids weren't criminals. Yeah. They saw an opportunity. Everybody likes chewing gum. And so before you know it, you had a crime wave on your hands. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the same in so many neighbourhoods. Some kid discovers that, oh, look, that bloke down the road, he'll give you 20 bucks if you carry a little package between X and Y. Don't ask what it is, just do it. Yeah. So there you go, you know. Teenage boys, keep Mm. an eye on them. Definitely. All right, thanks for your time, Don. My pleasure. That was Don Weatherburn, and you can get his book, and it is a fascinating read. It's called The Vanishing Criminal, and I just really love the work that he's done and really enjoyed that interview. I've been watching him comment in the media for years. Um, He's been such a great voice of reason, and I just think it's so important that we look at the data, that we analyse the long-term trends about what's really happening, because often media, unfortunately... I'm part of it, I know, but media and politics as well feeds on fear and not reality. And that's just not a recipe for a happy life. Listener.